Well, listen, here's, here's where we are today. We're in this, uh, like this is a, a, we believe a transition service. And I was looking through the passage or passages that we would be sharing um, today. And, uh, and I thought, I'm, I'd really like to bring, even though I'm up to preach today, I'd like to bring Jasper in on this one because he has a whole lot of good stuff to say about it as well. And so we haven't done this team teach in a while, but today, today is just that. If you're new with us, with us this, is, this is teaching. Um, we're not really preaching. We typically, again, if you're new with us, we walk through a passage from beginning to end what we believe the Lord has laid on our hearts. So we, we exposit a passage specifically. Today, we're, there's a bit of bouncing around because we're teaching on fasting. Now, if you remember back in January, early January, we repeat this every Sunday because we want you to remember why. Why were we in John 14 through 17? And the reason for John 14 through 17 was simply this, because we wanted our church to understand the real and true source of our peace. Because there are so many things in this world that that have the full potential to disrupt our peace. And so we spent these times, Jesus' last words to the disciples just before he was crucified. Um, these are the things that he was saying to them, John 14, 15, 16. And so for the last three weeks, we uh, have been in, in Jesus' prayer to the Father just before um, his experience on the cross. And, um, and so a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, we were in staff meeting and we were talking with Vicki and Vicky said that, the, that the, those who help her oversee uh, the children's ministry were feeling compelled um, to call our church to a season of fasting. And I thought, well, we thought, well, what a, what a tremendous time to be able to do that, talking about what it means and where our source of peace is in the person of Jesus Christ and the truths that he has shared with us into his prayer, and that he actually 2,000 years ago prayed specifically for you, that you would be protected from the evil one, that he would walk you through your sanctification process, that we would be unified together declaring the name of the Lord Jesus. These are the things he prayed for us. And so it is very appropriate that today we're, we're talking about and entering into a season of fasting and praying. And so it was, Vicki, what, like, so this past week, Vicki, what really is behind this? And this is what she said. She said, we are fielding questions from parents in our church about some things that they are facing with their children, some of the things they're being taught some of the insecurities they're seeing boil up in their kids, parents not knowing how to answer their children as it relates to identity-related things that their kids are being um, challenged with, uh, bullying, everything that you can right now, that I know the thoughts are coming to your mind about the things that your kids are experiencing from kindergarten on through college, even in marriage. And so they're like, let's fast and pray for our children. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to kick off today. We're going to talk about what it means to fast and pray. Um, Jesus, Matthew chapter 4, you will see that he went and he spent 40 days in the wilderness fasting and praying, being tempted and challenged by the enemy. And if you read just past that, chapter 4, the first couple of verses, he's talking about fasting and praying. That's when he begins. After the temptations that you read that Satan threw at him, he begins his ministry. So fasting and praying before life's really, really big decisions. 
We fast and pray for the ones that we know are coming. That's great. But we're going to be talking about the fasting and praying and, and how that benefits the heart of the parent when the unexpected comes. So when the unexpected comes, how beneficial it is to have made a part of your spiritual discipline living, fasting, and praying. So that's why fasting and praying through the month of July. And so, Jasper, what are the questions that we're going to answer today? So three questions that we want to talk about. Why are we fasting is the first one. What is fasting? And then how should we fast? We feel like that's going to cover as much as we can in a little bit of time to get our hearts in the right place. And when it comes to fasting, which is always connected with praying, it's important that our hearts be right because when God spoke on fasting in scripture, it was always to correct the heart in its approach. So we want to make sure that as we're calling the church, in fact, we're also equipping you to be able to approach it the right way. And so let's start out with the probably the main question that's on our hearts as you've heard us call for a fast is, first question this, so why as a church are we fasting? Why are we fasting? And so I'll turn it back over to Todd and he will begin to answer that. Well, we're fasting because we want, this is, we haven't done this for a while, so it's a back and forth kind of thing. I want to make sure we're covering all our bases. Um, Because some of the, so when parents have questions, when you have questions, even if it's not related to parenting, where do we go for our source of information, our source of help? And so some of the questions that Vicki and her leadership have been facing, they're being challenged with where do we actually go for our answers? And of course, I mean, I have to confess, while yes, I go to the Lord in prayer and seeing what the Bible has to say, I'm also checking other resources that I believe to be trustworthy. And so I'm expecting that you would be doing the same things. But, but here's, here's the problem, especially when things get really intense and we feel like the answers aren't coming right now. And the answers aren't what we expect or in accordance with our will. We start looking in other places for answers to our questions that satisfy our personal desires. And so, really, this is, this is it. This is, considering this, every next moment... I believe we have a slide for this. Every next moment is life's most important moment. Hmm. Our true hunger, fasting, our true hunger must be for Jesus alone. Not not the things that he provides for us. The answers that we would find through friends and family or our hunger, our desire, our answer, our pursuit must be in Christ alone. Understanding that we need to think in these terms, every next moment is life's most important next moment. So that's why. That's why fasting and prayer. I got out of order there, and so... Now it's Jasper's turn. Well, you'll see, you'll see that there's two, two answers to the question, why are we fasting, that we want to we give you guys to make sense of this. One is leadership conviction. You've heard that. The leadership has felt this conviction to pray specifically for our sons and daughters, for our children, um, in a time when we feel great darkness, 
darkness is always around us as long as we're on earth, but the scripture also tells us that things will wax worse and worse. Things will get worse and worse before Jesus comes back. And there's a great sense of darkness that seems to be uh, invading, it's encroaching is maybe the word. Um, spiritual darkness, uh, so much influence, so much bad mind renewal that pulls our hearts away from God and onto the world. This is constantly what's at play and it's deceptive and it's crafty and the enemy is very much at work and he puts far more energy into pulling us away sadly than we do at pushing ourselves towards God. So there's a leadership conviction here for both parents and for kids and for us as a church to devote ourselves to this time to, to speak into something that feels, it feels almost impossible to face. So leadership conviction, but here's the next thing. Fasting is biblically expected and appropriate. So here's where I want to start to validate fasting for us today. Um, You will not find a command in scripture that says go and fast, but what you will find is that fasting is expected and you'll find that it is an appropriate uh, response to certain times of life. So let's talk about these two things, and I want you to get your Bibles ready because we're actually gonna we're gonna turn again. This is teaching. We want to to bring this up. I found this interesting as as, as we were pre- preparing this because when I when I began studying fasting, you find that the teaching is all revolved around fasting rightly and not in the wrong way. Whereas I feel like we live in a culture today where we almost need to start a step back. We almost we need to start with why should we. Uh, why is, is fasting even expected? Is it a command? So we need to start at this place of, of validating that fasting should be a part of our life. You guys agree with me that? Can you feel that? It's like, uh, you know, fasting seems kind of nebulous. It seems in scripture, we know of it, but it doesn't seem to be a normal routine of life. I'm making a collective assumption here. So let's talk about the first thing. In scripture, you open up, what do you find? You find script, fasting is expected. And here's what I mean. When Jesus talked about fasting, he said, when you fast, not if you fast, but when you fast. So turn to Matthew chapter six. Let's look at this real quick. Matthew chapter six, two verses, 16 through 18. I'm just gonna read it so you can hear Jesus and then we're gonna move on. Jesus said, and when you fast, not if you fast, as in the heart of Jesus is expecting that his disciples would fast. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites for for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Do you see the heart of Jesus? He's not trying to convince them to fast. He's trying to help teach them about what genuine fasting looks like. We're doing a little bit of of convincing us that we need this because I believe we need a little bit of the motivation and the convincing right now. So you see the expectation just in this scripture of when you fast. Uh, Some 30 different times fasting is talked about in the New Testament, always positive, always a good thing. You see Jesus fasting and then you see, especially in the book of Acts, you see the disciples fasting. So, 
Fasting is a biblical expectation all through the Old Testament, New Testament for God's people in scripture. The next thing was this. Fasting is, is expected, but it's also appropriate for certain times of life. And I want you in preparation for this um, to turn to Matthew 9, Matthew chapter 9. And before I read it, I'm going to give you kind of an overview of what I mean by appropriate. Fasting seems to be not something, it never seems to be something that's, that's random, that's just done as a ritual. I'm just going to fast, I'm going to deny myself food, and I'm just going to pray kind of randomly. Fasting always seems to be associated with a very particular purpose and reason and matter of prayer. And one of the the big recurring things you see in scripture is fasting is associated with times of mourning and grief. Mourning and grief. Example, example, David's son, when his son that he had with Bathsheba was dying sick, he fasted all night. Uh, When danger was facing God's people, they fasted. The enemies of God coming upon them and it seemed like an impossible situation, so they fasted and prayed. You think of Esther, who knew when she was gonna go before the king and make a decision, she called for a fast. Um, And then you also see David when he was uh, facing his enemies and they would get sick and hurt. He even fasted on their behalf for them, fasting for uh, his enemies. And then you also see things are associated with repentance, God's judgment and wrath coming. And you see Nineveh even responding naturally with fasting. As God's judgment had come upon them, the word had come of judgment and they fasted and prayed in a state of repentance. So look at Matthew chapter nine, thinking about appropriate times that it's appropriate to fast. Matthew chapter nine. Oh, let me get, I'm not even turned there yet. Let me get there. Matthew chapter nine, and then look at verse 15. It says, the disciples of John, John the Baptist, came to him, Jesus, saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Very interesting what Jesus says here. Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. Jesus is speaking about the bridegroom being taken away. We just read in John 14, 15, 16, 17, Jesus knows he's going to depart and leave them and he knows what type of world he's leaving his disciples in. Great empathy and sympathy of Jesus who lived many years on earth experiencing what you and I do. He gets the joy of after he completes the work that God gave him to do to go back to heaven but he knows that I, my, my disciples are in the world, not of it. They're being left. They're not coming home yet. And so you see a great sympathy of Jesus as he prays on behalf of us And so Jesus is saying here, but I'm with them. My disciples here are not fasting right now because I'm with them. It's like, it's like you're, you're in a wedding party and this is a time of celebration. Food helps you celebrate. It's a good, it would, it would be inappropriate to fast when it's a time of celebration. The food is there for the party. So Jesus is giving them a little parable, a little illustration to help them understand when fasting is appropriate and when it's not. But he says, when the bridegroom is gone, when we've left, when I'm, my, when I'm no longer here on planet earth and I've left them here, though my spirit's coming, this will then be an appropriate time to fast because they're left in a world that's surrounded in darkness 
then they will fast. And as soon as you see Jesus ascend to heaven, you see through the book of Acts, you start to see them fasting naturally in hard situations. Here we are, disciples of Jesus on planet earth. We're waiting for our home. We're not there yet. And it's very appropriate for us to take these seasons, especially a season when we feel darkness approaching, when we feel the need for repentance, when we feel like, God, where are you? When we, when we feel like our children are in trouble, so to speak, or facing great spiritual danger, all of these things, uh, appropriate, it's appropriate, but it needs to be very specific. And so that's why we are saying this is a, it's, there's, time, there's kind of a time of grief that we feel in our hearts right now, uh, a, a time of danger we're facing that we feel like, you know what, we need to seek God's face and make this an appropriate time of fasting. So really quick, I'm going to blaze through this. I'm going to give you a, a, a definition of fasting. So now we're going to the next question. Why are we fasting? So now what is fasting. And Todd, I want you to either add or take away from this definition. Hopefully you won't take away because we've gone through this together. It would be awkward if you took it away, <laughs> uh, but add to it if you feel the need. Simplifying it as much as I can, a definition for fasting. So what is fasting? It's a time of abstaining from food or drink slash, I want you to think of it this way, natural craving of the body for a spiritual purpose. Abstaining from food, drink, a natural craving of the body for a spiritual purpose. What do you think? Add something to it? Nope. Okay. Take nothing away either. Take, okay, good. Food or drink? Food or drink? Go ahead. So real Keeping quick. Keeping food or drink. We're coming around to this. doesn't say fasting social media or things like that. It says food. Very, very important that it's food, right? Yes. Because this is... This is being connected with God's natural creation of our body, and he has created us with stomachs to experience something, so we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. So before we talk more about what it is and how to fast properly, let's talk about what it is not real quick, because this is where I think fasting gets confused, and where where we, I think, my observation is where we make it wrong, and it ends up becoming a time that's just wasted, and we've, we've just denied ourselves food. Right? So the first thing is this. This is not, it's not a time of manipulating God, which would be selfishness. It's not a time to be selfish. It's, this is not a time to say, I have something that I want, and I believe that if I, if I do this ritual, if I deny myself food, kind of a, an ascetic approach, then I'll get God's attention and he'll give me what I want. It's not a time to treat it that way, though it can seem that way. In the heart of the person, it's not a time for that. It's not a time for ritual, which would then be apathy. I'm just doing this because my leaders are telling me to do it. I just got to bear through it. I'm just going to do it, right? Not a time for that. It's not a time to impress. That would be pride. It's not a time to show people how spiritual you are. This is what the Pharisees did. This is what Jesus warned against. And it's not a time to achieve. Mm -hmm. That would be legalism. We... Making an assumption here, but I think it's a, it's a good meditative assumption. Why did God not command fasted, but yet why is it so expected? Because how good, at we, how good are we at taking something that, of the heart of something and turning it into a legalistic command? So if we were to told thou shalt fast, I think we'd have an even harder time not making this a time of a works-based theology. All right, so let's talk about what it is and let's talk about the heart of fasting. This is a time to pray fervently. 
Fasting is connected to prayer. I believe it was John Piper who said fasting invigorates prayer. Fasting is, is a time to tune our hearts and pray specifically, and fasting helps us. Fasting actually helps us put the fervency in the prayer. It's a time to worship God. It's a time, and here's the big one, and I want you to get your Bibles ready. I'm about to turn it back over to Todd, but I want you to bear with me. Get your Bibles ready to turn to John chapter 6. It is a time to feel and experience true hunger. John chapter 6, if, this is a, if we give you a theme verse, we wanted it to be this one. Mm-hmm. John chapter 6. This is where Jesus feeds the 5,000 people. I'm going to read, start in verse 25. A time to feel and experience true hunger. Now, this passage is not about fasting, but it is about hunger. uh, And it is about the way we should be thinking about food in relation to Jesus. If you ever spend too much time just sitting around contemplating existence, it start, you start to have a lot of questions. Why this, God? Why did you do this? Why did you create us as uh, fleshly beings that need to eat, that have stomachs that digest and then expel the bad parts? Like, it, what is all of this? Is this just random, God? This is just how you chose to create creation? Or are you truly a God who has great purpose, and great symbolism and great creative artistic beauty in your creation. I think it's the latter. There's a reason God has made us so we feel hunger. There's a reason we need food. There's a reason these emotions and these cravings come along with that because God is trying to, if we listen, help us to understand and grasp in the depths of our emotions our great need for him. And fasting is a time that helps us feel and experience what our souls are truly hungry for. John 6, verse 25. Jesus has just fed the 5,000. Thousands of people follow him. Wonderful time, right? People are, but he needed to feed them because they were hungry. But look where Jesus now gets to the heart of the matter. It says, when they found him, the people found Jesus on the other side. They said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because of the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal that they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see you and believe? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Talking about himself, Jesus is the true food, which means the true hunger in our souls is not for Uh, food that perishes, but it's for something deeper. And God gives us the physical feelings of hunger to turn our hearts to be like, man, that's how much I need God. And the hunger helps us understand that. Otherwise, we'd be totally self-sufficient and we would never feel and experience our hunger for him. They said to him, sir, 
give us this bread always. That's a good request, but if you know the story, Jesus began talking about eating his body and drinking his blood, and they all left because they couldn't handle the strange teaching. Jesus, of course, exposing their heart that they only were concerned with the physical temporary cravings and filling those, and they believed Jesus was a means of filling their temporary selfish cravings. He turns to the disciples and he says, are you two going to leave? And they say, where are we gonna go, Jesus? You have the keys and you hold everything that pertains to eternal life. They had the right heart. They knew that everything that they had and, and needed was wrapped up in him. So it's a time to feel and experience true hunger. And then finally this, which is gonna bring us to, to a little bit deeper study. It's a time to grow in our greater dependence for God because we're always defaulting and falling away from trusting him and depending him. So we started out, why are we fasting? What are we fast? What is fasting? Giving you a little definition, what it's not, what it is. Giving you the, 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 the shotgun spread here. Todd's gonna expound a little bit on what fasting is. He wants to highlight a couple things. So yeah, go and ahead. So, yeah, fasting is, I want you to think of it in these terms. It's a time of preparation or fasting is preparatory. So think in terms of I'm preparing for the things I can expect, or I do expect, so I'm praying for life's big decisions, but as you're doing that, as you're fasting and praying, as you mix fasting into your prayer life as a spiritual discipline, um, you're also preparing your heart for the unexpected. So, so think of it in these terms. Fasting prepares the heart for the outcome. It prepares the heart for the outcome to the answer that God provides. He's preparing your heart for the outcome to the answer he provides. And so, what do you mean by that, Todd? Well, I want you to take, let's say you you have a big decision coming up. You know what? We're really wrestling over where our kids should go to school. We're really wrestling over um, some of the things that our doctors are telling us about our kids. We're really wrestling over, we don't know what to do, so... I'm going to use school, for example, because that one's really fresh in me. Our youngest is now headed off to school, to college in, in Indiana. And so it's like, all right, God, we are going, we're coming to you with fasting and praying, and we're seeking the answer from you. We want you to provide us with the answer. So we fasted and we prayed, and we believe firmly that at the end of that time, God is saying, we want you to go to this school. We want Caden to go to this school. All right, Great. There's the answer. Now, here's what we can't do. Answer provided. Let's say your child goes off to school. You've decided, you know what, we're going to put him in public school or her in public school or whatever. You know, think about the big decision you have to make. And let's say it doesn't go well. God provided you with the answer for the outcome he is about to bring, right? We can't say if things go poorly from our perspective, well, we must have missed it. You didn't. You fast and you pray and you trust in a sovereign God to bring you the answer. He gives you the answer. You trust then that that's exactly where he wants your child to be. He's preparing your heart for the sanctifying moments that are going to tempt you to say, we made a mistake. You didn't make a mistake. God provided you with the answer. You responded to it. Now you walk along your child with your child as God 
shows you the outcome for the answer that he provided you. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. All right. So it goes poorly. It goes well. All of it God intends to use by the decision he provided for you to sanctify your child and to make him look look more like Jesus. That's it. So fasting prepares the heart for the outcome to the answer that he provides. All right, so fasting is preparatory. Fasting is also a time of spiritual refinement for you. It's a spiritual refinery. It exposes really our true hunger, what our true hunger is. All right? So look at it this way. Fasting is a physical experience intended to get our spiritual attention. It's a physical experience intended to get our spiritual attention. So season of fasting. And it has to hurt. It has to afflict. Fasting equals affliction. Your body has to say, I am in pain and discomfort right now because you're not giving me food. What's the answer? The answer is food. That's how you take care of that physical hunger. But as you fast and you seek the Lord, this physical hunger starts to reveal things about your own spiritual shortcomings. And so the question then becomes, how do we deal with these spiritual shortcomings? Our problem is typically this. When we, get, when we get to a place where spiritually we're uncomfortable with the way things are going, we become angry, we become impatient, we start making decisions on our own, we're not satisfied with the answers we're getting, so we're looking here and there and here and there. This is, this, this is the answer to the spiritual problem. When you are hungry, you go after food. When you are spiritually exposed, you are seeing, I am truly hungering. And this is... This is you, we need in that moment to recognize this, and this goes back to what Vicki was asking, that our church would see that its hunger can only be satisfied mm-hmm. by Jesus Christ. So in other words, the provider is greater than the things that he provides. You think about the wealth of things at your disposal that are provided for you from other counsel to other resources, to sleep, to drugs that are prescribed to help, to food, binge eating, to everything that God provides. And in many cases, they are spectacular things that he intends for us to enjoy. But the message is it's all going to wash away. It's all going to go away. There's only one true thing that you can count on, and that's the provider himself. So, Fasting is a spiritual time of spiritual refinement intended, so it's a physical experience intended to get our spiritual attention. Remember this, church. God did not pray. Jesus prayed to the Father. He didn't pray that we would be taken out of the world, did he? He prayed that we would remain in the world because that's where he needs us to be. He prayed our protection from the enemy, but then he prayed for our sanctification. Jesus is going to walk your kids through things that you don't like. And so we must fast and pray and teach our kids. The answer is your hunger for Jesus. 
Yes, come to us for counsel, but we're always pushing them back to Jesus. Jesus is going to walk your things through things that make your kids uncomfortable and you're not going to like it. It's a time for you to turn to Jesus for your answers and hunger for him alone. Yeah? Yeah. All right, so we have... Can you... Here we are, walking into how do we fast now. So we want to give you some practicalities about how to fast. Okay, so practicalities about how to fast, and then we're going to show you both practically and then spiritually God's confrontation with Israel through the prophet Isaiah. So we need to keep moving. So practically speaking... Um, these are just some of the things I put down, and I'm going to ask Jasper to, to speak into it. Fasting equals affliction, so it must be uncomfortable, all right? has to be uncomfortable. So I don't, you, we're not asking you to, if you are someone that has a specific diet because of your health, we're not asking you to put your, necessarily your health in danger. What we're asking you to do is afflict yourself by removing specific foods and drinks from your diet to cause affliction or discomfort so that the Lord uses that to get your spiritual attention, okay? So I don't know what that looks like for you. I know what it looks like for me. Um, Let me just give you some. It's like, okay, if you're someone that's determined I need to have three square meals a day, don't eat for pleasure, And maybe you're like, man, all I eat celery anyway, and I hate celery, so, well, I don't know. Ask the Lord, what do you want to remove from my diet right now that will cause affliction? Nobody likes celery. I don't care what you say. (laughs) It's either you don't taste it or it's extremely bitter. So just don't eat for pleasure. Look at this. Don't eat or drink things that soothe. I will tell you this, through the month of July, fasting has... It's a spiritual discipline in my life that is ramped up when I remove coffee. Because if I've determined I'm not going to eat this or that for this amount of time, guess what I replace it with? Coffee, because coffee soothes. Don't eat for pleasure. Don't eat for things that will soothe you, that will make the fast easier. Affliction, affliction. Um, Consider days and specific meals. Consider not eating after dinner. These are the kind of things that come to my mind. Anything for you? Yeah, I, I, think about what, I think about what day is the least fun for me not to be able to eat. And immediately the line goes Friday and Saturday, right? Or, or, or some day where it's like food has the most comforting, like it's, it's fun, it's whatever it is. So I'm thinking of what day and I'm thinking for how long. And again, the whole purpose is, God, I I'm purposefully making this hard mm-hmm. and, and not because it impresses you and not because like I get some type of like merit or your favor or love because I need, I need to feel that hunger and for you and it needs to remind me to pray. So like I've done fast before where the whole time it's like, okay, I'm almost through this. I'm almost through this. And when I look back on it, I'm like, that was wasted time. That was the wrong spirit because mm-hmm. it was just a, it was just a, a state of just enduring and getting mm-hmm. through something. And it says that my mind wasn't even, con- my mind didn't even have something that I felt burdened by that I needed even more than food for God to speak into. Mm-hmm. And so when that's why there has to be that great spiritual purpose 
and, and thing in your life that you desperately want God to do even more so than you eating food. And that and life naturally does that too. When there's great grief and tragedy in life, like you're not even hungry, right? Because like that's not even that will satisfy. You need something deeper. Mm-hmm. You need God in moments like that. So mm-hmm. so yeah, so practically, I mean we we're here to answer questions. It's not just here and done. Yeah. So maybe as the month of July comes on, this, this is all new to you. You need more equipping, more help. You need more answers to your questions. Keep asking us. We can help with the practicalities and things like that. But we want, we want to drive you to understand fasting from Scripture and the right. way Jesus taught it. For, right. For real. So temptation for some of us will be, I'm going to use this as a season to lose weight. Don't get on the scales. I bring that one up because I know that's, I'm like, okay, I know I'm going to lose a few pounds that I want to lose. Like, I'm speaking very practically. Like, that would be, that would, that would be a corruption of the fast to think I'm going to use this to lose weight. So, to just set that aside, okay? So, we see Israel, and here we go. Turn to Isaiah 58. So, if we're walking into a season of fasting, these are the practicalities. You need to work it out before the Lord how you want to, how he wants you to actually fast through this month. Exposing your hunger your spiritual hunger, all right? This is, what, this is what God said, Isaiah, I want you to talk to Israel right now, my people, because they have corrupted their fasting. So here we go, all right, real quick. We're gonna walk through the whole chapter. Isaiah 58, it says this. God says, cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgressions, to the house of Jacob their sins. Now look, at, look in the next, these four verses, verses two through five, the false humility and the false appearance that they are giving God. God says to Isaiah, yet they seek me daily and they delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. So it's very interesting. Like, are you convicted right now? You know what? I love to draw near to God, yet these next verses expose me because even though I want to know God, these are some of the things that define my life. Why have I fasted? And you see it not. Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no pleasure of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, God says, You seek your own pleasure and you oppress your workers. Verse 4 says, Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? False appearance. Yes, they were seeking God. Yes, they delighted to know his ways. They were asking for right things. They were, honor, they, um, they were seeking to honor the judgments of God, but they were false in it because there, was, there were expressions of false humility, bowing down like a reed, spreading sackcloth and ashes, display of humility that really wasn't existing in the hearts of Israel as they fasted and prayed. They were living selfishly. They were seeking their own pleasure. They were oppressing all their workers. They were quarreling. They were fighting. They were hitting with a wicked fist. All of this while they were desiring, Lord, we're denying ourselves certain things so that you will respond to me, a means of trying to manipulate God. False humility, false appearance of humility. And then this is what God says, 
through Isaiah, verses 6 and 7, is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Ultimately, what this passage is saying is stop living for yourself. Put others before yourself. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. It's put it, stop living like the world. Renew your mind with me. Pursue me, hunger for me, and then take on the likeness mm. of Jesus Christ. Stop living for yourself. If your fast is filled with your own personal living, your fasting is corrupt. It's a time to lay yourself aside, turn your eyes focused on Jesus, and pursue Him. All right, so think, here comes the outcome, all right? Now, what I don't want you to think right now is, if I fast appropriately, then God will respond in a specific way to me. You can't think that way because it makes it sound like He is the boss and I am the employee, if I, do the way the thing, if I do the things the boss says, he will reward me. That's not the heart behind this. John Piper says this. Look at it from this perspective. It's your doctor saying to you, this is the prescription. And if you follow the prescription, you will be more healthy. And so even while you can sit here and say, yes, that still seems like there is a… Um, condition. Yeah, there's a condition. It's… It's really God just saying, this is what I want from you. And if you live this way, it's going to remove darkness from your heart. You're going to… It's a hard one. Because even as I say that, it still feels conditional. But in relationship with Jesus Christ, He has taken care of the condition for you. Now, we must simply live for Him. So, look at the outcome come as we, as we finish this up. Verse 8, then… God says, shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Righteousness shall go before you and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, which literally means giving the finger, the pointing of the finger and spreading wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desires of the afflicted, then your light, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desires in scorched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, mm. the restorer of streets to dwell in. He says, if you turn your back, or you turn your back, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and calling the Sabbath a delight and a holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly. And here it is. Look at that 8 through 13, if your focus and your hunger is on the Lord and you are concerned with the well-being of those that the Lord has placed in your life, verse 14 says, then you shall take delight 
in the Lord. Then you shall take delight in the, in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Okay, so listen to this. This is it. Verse 14 is the answer. When you fast, you hunger for the Lord. When you fast, you will delight. You will take delight in the Lord. And listen, here we go. Three statements as we wrap this. The provider becomes greater than the providence. God will become greater than that which he provides to you in your mind. He is greater, but that's what he'll become to you. The giver will become greater than the gift. Many gifts he has for you that we are tempted to use for ourselves, but when you delight in the Lord, he becomes, the giver becomes greater than the gift. And here's a third one if you want to look at it this way. The blesser God becomes greater than the blessing. We are fasting and praying because we believe that God is calling us to hunger for him alone, for him to go after the provider, the giver, and the blesser. That's why we fast. You know, I think it's what happens in my heart when we teach on things like this is something in the back that says, well, is it, is it not about God answering our prayers and just about us loving him more? Well, yes and no. God does hear the prayers of his saints, and he says, I answer every single one of those, those who pray in the name of Jesus. God, Jesus wants us to know that when you ask the Father in his name, he hears. Um, but we have to do great effort in our souls to learn, to understand what is the issue here. Because when you read those first eight verses, you're like, that sounds good. They want to seek mm-hmm. them daily. They're humbling mm-hmm. themselves. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they're bowing their head. Aren't they doing the right ritualistic things? Mm-hmm. But your father who sees in secret, Jesus says, will reward you. The issue is God dwells in your heart and he sees where your heart is. God, you can't fake. You, you can't get away from it. You, you can't pander to God. You can't impress him. None of us can. God desperately wants us. He yearns for us. He's not holding anything back. And he says, all that knock, the door will be answered. All who seek will find. The issue is we do not knock and seek with our heart. We outwardly do these things, but in our heart, we still have many things that we crave more than him. And in John six, he exposed the people craved food more than him. And he exposed their heart. And so we deny ourselves the one craving that our body will always need every single day as a discipline, a spiritual discipline to ignite the reality that we need him more than anything. And God will bring healing as the heart that is fasting is the heart that wants him more than anything else and puts its mind on him and desires to to know and understand him. And he answers our prayers. He will give you answers. He will be with you, but he wants us to seek with our whole heart. And then you shall find me when you seek with your whole heart, because that is the greatest thing you need. Yeah. And so that's why it ends up becoming this reality. The thing that I'm praying for ends up becoming secondary to the thing that I actually need. And fasting mm-hmm. is going to expose what I really need and give me pers- perspective. And God will honor the fast of the one who fasts and prays this way. So when you're really hungry and you're wondering, what do I pray for? Because sometimes, typically, that's where my heart goes. Lord, what do I pray for? 
Here's what I would, here's what I'm asking, we're asking you to pray for, okay? Um, visit Isaiah 58 often throughout the month of, of um, July. July. Visit it often. Help it, help it to establish your season of fasting. But pray for this, a growing desperation for the provider. You, personally. Yeah, we're praying for our kids too, but you must first be praying for, Lord, I need you. I want to be desperate for you alone. And then pray the same prayer for your kids. There is no greater answer than your kids fall in love with the person of Jesus Christ because junk is going to happen to them. If they love Jesus, if they're pursuing Jesus, if they're hungering for him, the provider, even when the providence doesn't look like you want it to for your kids, they still are safe because they love Jesus. Pray that you would hunger for the provider. Pray that your kids would hunger for the provider. Yeah, that's it. So we're going to actually, we're going we're gonna to sing. We're going to close out. And then the men are going to stay just like the women did a couple weeks. And we're going to give you some further instruction and answer some of your questions that you may have. And know that questions can still come throughout the month of July. But I want to reiterate before I pray. I'm kind of echoing what Todd just said. We are praying for the evil that we're asking that God would keep away from our children. You might say, I don't have children. Yeah, but you either are a child or you know children or you care about other children or you at least take care about the next generation that they would know God. And so we are praying that God would keep evil away and that God would save the people in our life that we know aren't saved. And so we're, we're having a, a, and we're fasting because we're saying, I want this more than I even want this food right now. All right, let's pray. Father, a uh, great many things to talk about. You know our hearts. I pray that you would guide us even in this, that, that our hearts would be right, that you would, you would delight in these hearts that are being turned to you to delight in you. We need your help even with this. So be patient with us and show us a great spiritual truth to grow in the grace and the knowledge in our relationship with Jesus. And, and at the end of this, all of us could collectively say, I, I have a hunger and thirst for the true water and bread of heaven. That God, you would stir our affections for you. You would help us to love you more and need you and depend on you more. We need you to do this. And so bless this time and help us during this month as we seek your face. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.